Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Let's get into the word that God has for us today. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open it to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 10. If you don't have a Bible, which most of you don't, go ahead and read on the bottom of the screen as the verses pop up. The Apostle Paul is writing, and he begins here. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. And three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, verse 10, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. If you're taking notes here or at home, the title of the message today is Welcome Home Weakness. Welcome Home Weakness weakness. Welcome home, weakness. want to give you some historical, cultural context for what Paul is writing and who Paul's talking to. Paul was an apostle. He was a church planner. So he starts this church in Corinth, and then he leaves to go start other churches. While he's away, some not-too-good people, some fake apostles, Paul makes fun of them, calls them super apostles, trying to come in with their false teaching and undo what Paul did. But they can't do that unless they undo the person of Paul. So now they begin a character assassination on Paul. They start talking about how short Paul is. They start talking about how Paul's not a, it's true. They start talking about how Paul's not a good speaker and about how Paul has no uh, uh, credentials or letters of recommendation. And now Paul is in a position now. Paul has to defend himself because he's thinking if they lose respect for me, I won't be able to help them because I won't be able to write to them. So I got to earn their respect because if I don't, if I don't earn their respect, then I can't help them. And seeing no other way to earn their respect, Paul does something in chapter 11. Paul begins to brag. Or let me say it in a different way for all of my Gen Zers. Paul flexes on them. He flexes on them. He's like, ah, you think I'm nobody? And he does. And so in chapter 11, he just starts bragging. He goes, oh, you like these people because they're Hebrew? He goes, I'm more Hebrew. I don't know what that means, but he's more Hebrew. He goes, you like these people because they're Israelites? He goes, I'm more of an Israelite. One of the time he goes, you like these people because they work hard for Christ? He goes, I work harder for Christ. He straight up flexes on them like, look at me, I can do it. And I think the heart behind it, before we begin to judge Paul, the heart behind it is simple. He's saying, I need to be strong, but I can't be strong if I don't appear strong. Now by chapter 12, he realizes that he's wrong. It was a, he shouldn't have flexed. He shouldn't have bragged. He shouldn't have done it. And he knows he's wrong. And in chapter 12, he changes his tune and he gets real humble again. But what sticks out to me is that even though he does that in chapter 12, he left chapter 11 in. Like he didn't backspace it. 
Are you sure what I'm saying? Like, because he wasn't preaching, he was writing. He didn't backspace it like you do with your text message that you send to your friend that you're mad at, and you write it the first time, and you're like, no, no, that's not right. That's not what I meant to say. And you delete it, or that email, you write it, and you're like, no, no, no. He left it in there. And I think the reason why he left chapter 11 in there is because he wants us to be able to relate to him. He says, listen, you're not the only one that feels the pressure to appear strong. I feel the pressure to appear strong too. Have you ever felt the pressure to be strong for someone else? Have you ever felt the pressure to be strong for a spouse who's sick? Have you ever felt the pressure to be strong for your kids who were scared? Have you ever felt the pressure to be strong for a parent who's stuck in quarantine? Have you ever felt the pressure to be strong for employees who are stressed whether or not they'll get their paycheck? Have you ever felt the pressure to be strong for a friend who doesn't know God and they're like, you know Jesus, will you pray for me? You're like, I need somebody to pray for me right now. You're talking about, I can't pray for you. I need someone to pray for, for me. He wants us to know that he can relate to the pressure. And at first, that motivation seems real pure. I gotta be strong to help other people. But if it was just to help other people, then why do we also feel the pressure to be strong for strangers? You ever thought about that? Like, we're online now, and we're getting a lot of people online, and I almost, I feel like I've arrived, guys. (laughs) I wanna tell you how I know I've arrived. We got internet trolls now. Come on, somebody. Hey, you know you made it when you got haters. We got internet trolls, man. They'll still come on the live feed and they'll drop some stuff or like the sermon. They'll just say like, I don't know the Bible and stuff. And I'm just like, wow, okay. And the crazy thing is I could care less about their opinion or at least I want to be the kind of person. But when I see it, I'm like, ooh, you know what? Next week I'm going to preach fire. Why Next week I'm going to come in and I'm going to blow you away. And it's weird because I'm not trying to help them. Here's what I'm trying to be strong for. I'm trying to protect me. I find that we feel the pressure to be strong for two reasons. One is we do want to help people, but a lot of times we feel the pressure to be strong to protect ourselves. I feel like strength in our lives is oftentimes more armor than arms. It's oftentimes more, more defense than offense more shield than sore, especially if you were hurt when you were younger. If you were hurt when you were younger, it's usually the people who were hurt the most when they were younger who feel the the most pressure to be strong because they don't want to let anybody in. And there's a problem with trying to be strong. Four things that I found that's a problem with trying to be strong. First off, if you're trying to be strong to help other people, you're not helping anybody by being strong. Because if you're trying to be strong by helping other people, guess what other people are thinking while you're strong in a scary situation? Here's what they're thinking. Why aren't I strong? And you think you're being strong is helping them, but it's actually making them feel bad about themselves. The other, the other day, Liz would remind me saying this, but she had, you know, kind of a little mini breakdown type thing. And I was like, all right, let's talk about it. It was like two weeks ago. I was like, all right, let's talk about it. And we sat down and we started to talk about it. And she's like, I just feel this pressure to be strong for you. And I feel this pressure to be strong for the kids. And I'm the pastor and I feel this strong to be pressure for all the ladies of the church that, that need guidance and support. And I said, but where do you get that pressure from? And she said, from you. <laughs> I was like, I never put that pressure on you. She goes, no, you never put it on me. But when I saw you being strong, I thought, well, then I got to be strong too. You don't help anybody by appearing to be strong in, in scary moments. You just put the pressure on them. That same pressure that you're carrying, you put it on them. Secondly, you don't help other people by pretending to be strong when you should be feeling weak because when you pretend to be strong, here's the worst thing that can happen. People think that you actually are. And then when they start going through situations, guess what they're coming to to save them? To you, because you're always there to rescue them. And now it's worse, because you just traded the pressure to be strong for the pressure to be a savior. 
And now everybody's coming to you to get them out of your situation. Why wasn't everybody coming to me? Why don't they go to the... Because you keep answering everybody's problems. Because you keep putting yourself in your situations where I'm going to rescue. But your title's not savior. Your title's mom. Your title's not savior. It's wife. Your title's not savior. It's husband. Your title's not savior. It's friend. Your title's not savior. It's teacher. Your title's not savior. It's employer. Your title's not savior. It's pastor. Your title's not savior. It's minister. Your title's not savior. It's person. You're not a savior. You can't be a savior. You can't help someone else by pretending to be strong. And let me talk about those who put on, now let me talk to those who put on strength as a way of protecting themselves. That didn't work either. Why? (laughs) Because strength is an unbiased bouncer. You know like a bouncer, the person who stands outside of the club, not letting people, I mean, I've never been to the club, so I wouldn't know, but, (laughs) you know, Dalila knows, you know what I'm saying, about the club and so, shout out. No, I don't know, but maybe she does, maybe she does, I have no idea is an unbiased bouncer. Let me tell you a quick story. I remember being a teenager and my youth leader, um, I, I went to him because I was in a situation. I was like my first serious girlfriend and uh, she cheated on me. And so I went to him, we're in the car, we're talking and I'm like, I'm like, man, I don't want to say his name because I think he watches the streets. <laughs> but I'm like, hey man, um, my heart is broken. What do I do? And he said, I'm going to tell you what you do. Now, I didn't know that he had just got out of a situation where his girlfriend, his girlfriend had the same thing, cheated on him. And so he's giving me advice, but I don't know what's coming from her place. And he's my youth leader, so he's supposed to you know, give me God's word. And so I'm like, what do I do? He goes, I'm going to tell you what to do. He goes, you need to have a heart of ice. This was his advice. <laughs> he goes, you need to have a heart of ice. He said, because no one can hurt you if you have a heart of ice, if you don't let him in. Well, I just took his advice because I thought it was, you know, the word of God. <laughs> so I take that advice and I start, I'm gonna have a heart of ice. I'm not gonna let nobody in. And it works. I don't get hurt, but something else is happening as a side effect, as collateral damage. I'm starting to realize that my friendships are getting shallow. Yeah. I'm starting to realize that I've been with a lot of girls since my last girlfriend, but I haven't fallen in love like I fell in love last time. What am I trying to say? I was trying to keep out pain, but unknowingly I was also keeping out love. Wow. Strength is an unbiased bouncer. He doesn't let pleasure in and keep pain out because he knows that if he lets pleasure in, pleasure today can turn into pain tomorrow. So he's like, if I let let you in, friend, that's cool, but but my friend today might be my enemy tomorrow, so I got to keep you out. I'm going to get married, but my spouse, I'm going to have to keep you at arm's distance. Why? Because you might be my spouse today, but you can be my ex tomorrow, and so I can't let you in all the way. I'm going to be strong. You don't understand. You're not just keeping out pain. You're keeping out meaning. You're keeping out intimacy. You're keeping out love at the same time. It doesn't work. And finally, it never pays to appear strong because the reality is, this is what my dad taught me when I started thinking I was hard and getting into fights. He goes, Jay, one day you're going to meet somebody stronger. You will always find somebody stronger. Translation, as strong as you think you can be, as big as you think your shields are, as high as you think your walls are, let me tell you, there is always a situation that can break those down. You are always just one phone call away from your knees. You are always just one doctor's visit away from from utter collapse. You are always just one bill from a panic attack. You can be strong now, and that's cool, because against normal things, but, but nobody's strong against everything. One day you'll face a person stronger than you. One day you'll face a problem stronger than you, a trial stronger than you, a tribulation stronger than you. So Paul knew that his strategy for being strong wasn't gonna work, but he had to figure it out. How can I help the church of Corinth but still protect my name? How can I do it? And he found a better way. He found a better way. And he said this 
Instead of trying to be strong in my strength, I'm going to find strength in my weakness. Instead of trying to be strong in my strength, I'm going to find strength in my weakness. I want to tell you on the other side of this screen today, you can put down the shield. You can put down the sword. Fellas, you can lay down the tough guy for a moment. <laughs> Ladies, you can lay down the, the Martha Stewart, Aisha Curry, uh, Michelle Obama, uh, you know, strength and facade that we put on Proverbs 31, facades for everybody to let nobody in. You can lay it down. Listen, because weakness doesn't make you weak. If you let it, weakness can make you strong. You want to help people? You might be able to help people more with your weakness than you might with your strengths. You want to protect yourself? You might protect yourself more by embracing and coming to peace with your weakness than by broadcasting your strengths. That's my goal today. It is to help you come to peace with your weakness, to welcome home weakness into your life. And you can do that in four ways. The first way you can do that, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh. I want to say thorn. A messenger of Satan to torment me. Let me ask you a question on the other side of the screen. What is your weakness and what is your thorn? Because everyone has it. And I love that he says thorn because a thorn is like a splinter. And, and sometimes you don't even know you got a splinter until you touch something and you go, ooh. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know until I got in that relationship that I had issues. I didn't know until I went to college that I was lazy. I didn't know until I brushed up against it that I was like, ooh, ow. And, and another thing about thorn, you can hide it from other people because it's buried deep within. But we all got them. And I love the way Paul described it. Ever eager to be relatable, Paul described it as a thorn in the flesh, comma, a messenger of Satan. In other words, sometimes your weakness is physical a thorn in the flesh. Sometimes it's a disability. Sometimes it's a disease. Sometimes it's the wheelchair that you ride. Sometimes it's the diabetes that you carry. Sometimes it's physical pain. But there's another weakness that is not in the flesh. When he says messenger of Satan, he's saying, I hear something. I hear someone. Sometimes the pain isn't physical, but emotional and spiritual. But that pain can be just as deadly, if not more deadly, than the physical pain. That pain can be insecurity. That pain can be comparison. That pain, that weakness can be lust. That weakness can be anxiety. We have weaknesses on the outside and we have weaknesses on the inside. The point is that you have one and you won't leverage it until you admit it. You gotta admit it. Admit, admit your weakness. Admit your weakness. That's my first point. You got to admit it. All right, I'm going to tell the first story. I got three stories today. Each story, I'm just going to give you the disclaimer. Each story has to do with my kids because I'm in quarantine and the only content I got, okay? So if you're tired of me talking to my kids, just log off to some other preacher, okay? But this is all I got. I got no life other than the people that I live with. So first story about one of my kids. <laughs> Um, this is a story with Zane and Justice and, and my wife. She was um, asking them to help out with their chores. I wasn't there because if I was there. Anyway, so <laughs> she was asking them to help out with the, the chores. And they didn't want to. They didn't want to. And then finally, they're like, fine, I'll do it. They said, they said but I just want you to know. Um, she goes, we'll do it. But the only reason we'll do it says, because we're your servants. We're your slaves. 
My wife, I'll tell you, I wasn't there. <laughs> I'll stop it. You know what I'm saying? The Bible says, discipline your child in the way of the Lord, and when they grow up, they shall not depart from it. Um, don't at me. Anyway, so uh, she looked at them and she said, little boy, uh, you think you're my servant? She said, I'm your servant. I do way more for you than you do for me. And so, and so to prove it to them, she went over to the whiteboard. We got a whiteboard in the homeschool, and she drew a line on the whiteboard. And on the left side of the whiteboard, she said, everything I do for you. And on the right side of the whiteboard, she said, everything you do for me. She said, what do you do for me? They were like, sometimes we get your charger. She's like, cool, get charger. <laughs> and how long does that take? They're like, 10 minutes. Cool, 10 minutes. What else do you do for me? Sometimes you put the dishes in the dishwasher. Cool, how long does that take? 20 minutes. Cool, 20 minutes. So you do for me 30 minutes worth of work. Then she went on the, on the left side. She got five hours and 38 minutes worth of things on the left side and then she stepped back and she looked at the boys and she said so who serves who justice quicker to to give in zane's a little more stubborn justice said you serve us you serve us mom you serve us zane though zane doesn't ever give in zane doubles down so zane said zane goes he goes yeah he goes but the only difference is we didn't ask you to do any of that stuff <laughs> You just did it. You just did it. And so, so my wife, again, I wasn't there. I wasn't there. So then, my wife, so then my, wife, my wife goes, oh, okay, all right. So in that case, she gets up. She goes, you make your own lunch. And she backs up. And then Zane is like, fine, <laughs> I'll do it. And then Justice comes over and shakes him. And he's like, dude, just admit it. She's your servant. Just say it. She's your servant. She's your servant. You don't want to cook right now. She's your servant. He's shaking him. I'm like, she's your servant. Just say it. And what's he saying? He didn't say it in this way, but he's saying, listen, either admit or forfeit. Admit or forfeit. Either add, because if you don't admit your weakness, you forfeit her strength. Because you can do it if you want. But if you do it, she can't do it for you. But the only thing keeping her from doing it for you is you admitting that you can't. Yes. Yeah. So good. The purpose of your weakness is to drive you to your limits. But the purpose of your limits is to drive you to God. I'll say it again. The purpose of your weakness is to drive you to your limits. But the purpose of your limits is to drive you to God, is to get you in a position where you say, you know what? I can't do it. And then God's over there on the back thinking, that's all I was waiting for. All I needed was for you to admit it so that I can step in and do what you can't. Just know I serve you. Now, if you were to go to the house today and you would ask Zane, <laughs> you know, Zane, can you make a sandwich? Zane, can you make lunch? He might not just tell He'll tell you, no, I can't. But he won't just end there. He'll go, I can't, but she can and I love it because now it's not just an admission, it's a confession. Yeah. That's how we are as believers. That's our testimony, you know? When we admit our weakness, we're not just admitting our weakness. We're not just admitting that we can't, but we're confessing that he can. Yeah, I can't do it, but he can do it. Yeah, I couldn't find a way, but when I couldn't find a way, he made a way. Yeah, I can't break the bondage, but when I couldn't break the bondage, he broke the bondage for me. When I couldn't get the answer, he became the answer for me. Yeah. My admission became my confession. Won't brag about it. It's not just my problem, it's my praise. It's both at the same time. Because to say I can't do it is to also declare he can. Wow. He can. That's the first one. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 through 9. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Here's the second thing you got to do. The first is admit your weakness. The second is accept your weakness. Accept your weakness. I love that he asks God to get rid of his weakness. 
Raise your hand if you've ever prayed God to get rid of a weakness before and you're like, God, this is really hurting me. If you can just take this away, you know, raise your hand if you ever prayed for God to take someone away. You know what I'm talking about, right? You know, I can't say no, God, if they would just, I'm not asking for a hit, man, but if they would just move to the West Coast, Lord God, I know I could serve you better. If you would just take this person out of my life, I don't want them to die, but I do need them to go. <laughs> you got to go home or they got to get out of here. You're messing me up, Lord, would you help me? I love that God's answer was not, yes, I can take it away. For a long time, I thought his answer was, no, I won't. But if you read the passage, he didn't say yes or no. His answer to take it away was, my grace is sufficient for you. <laughs> Isn't it like God? <laughs> to take a yes or no <laughs> question. <laughs> and, and his answer to yes or no be, my grace. Because sometimes the answer to your prayer is not the elimination of your problem. Sometimes the answer to your prayer is the grace to manage it. Wow. Sometimes God will not eliminate your weakness, but what he will come is give you the grace and power to manage that weakness. Sometimes the miracle is not that the weakness left, but rather that the weakness did not cause you to quit. It was there, but, but, you, but you made it. It was there, but it didn't destroy you. It was there, but it didn't take you because God gave me the ability not for it to rule my life, but for me to live with it, but not be consumed by it. Yeah, so Story number two with my children. <laughs> so I guess it's all the time together and they are getting a lot more brave. They're, they're speaking up. They're getting older also. And so, you know, I did this when I was young. I don't know if you did this, but I had the first, I received as a parent the first threat uh, to run away to, uh, this past week. Uh, uh, did you ever say that when you were kids? I'm a runaway. Never said it. You're better than all of us. All right. I know I did. My sister said it. I remember she, she ran out the door. She went down the block. 10 minutes later, she came back. She's like, I'm hungry. You know, she came back in. and uh, So I knew it was empty. I knew it was an empty threat. But the reason he wanted to run away was because, this is justice now, he didn't want to do his homeschool work. So he was like, he was like, I don't want to do this work. I'm running away, <laughs> and I just sat him down, and I just kind of gave him like the facts of life, and I'm like, here are the facts of life, bro. You cannot run away from work, because when you get out there, there will just be more work waiting for you. It might be of a different nature. It might be of a different, in a different form, but work is a part of your life. You cannot separate you from work. You can't run away from work. And I wanted to tell you, not only can you not run away from work, you can't run away from your weakness. It's a part of you, and it will always be a part of you. It's, it's going to be a part of your life. It's going to be a part of, of your, uh, and, and, and don't, don't let that discourage you. you know, and, and you know this. This, is not, this shouldn't discourage you. This should make sense. Yeah. Because you've been praying for God to get rid of things and they'll go away for a season. But then in the next season, they come back and you're like, I thought you got rid of that in the last season. This shouldn't discourage you. This should encourage you. Listen, sometimes your weakness doesn't come to visit for like a whole month. <laughs> but then the next month, he's going to come over like every day <laughs> of every week, every hour of every day of every week. And you, sometimes you can go three months and your weakness doesn't come over. But, but he'll always come over at some point. But just because, here's where the discouragement doesn't, don't let this, just because weakness comes over you doesn't mean you can't overcome weakness. You know you can live with it and still overcome it. Having it 
doesn't mean you succumb to it. Are you, this is like revelation. This will change your life. Understanding that you can have a weakness, but overcome it. Here's my question. We got Paul talking about this thorn, but he's written two-thirds of the New Testament. We followed him throughout all of the book of Acts. We followed him on three missionary journeys. We followed him from, from Europe uh, into Asia, into Rome, and in all of these travels, and in all of these books, how come we only get three verses about this thorn? He plants all these churches, he writes all these books, and this is the first and only time that we hear about this thorn that God says he will always leave and never take away. You know why? Because he did not define him. He was able to do, I got good news for you. You are always gonna have a weakness. That's bad news. I've got bad news for you. You are always going to have a weakness. I've got good news for you. But your weakness doesn't have to stop you from living a fulfilled life. Your weakness doesn't have to stop you from living a purpose-filled life. Your weakness doesn't have to stop you from becoming everything that God called you in life to be. Your weakness doesn't have to stop you from getting married. Your weakness doesn't have to stop you from becoming a father or a mother. Your weakness doesn't have to stop you from making a difference. Your weakness doesn't have to keep you from mattering. You can do all those things. It will not be your legacy. When we think of Paul, we think of churches we think of the bible if it wasn't for this one verse these three verses we wouldn't even know that there was a thorn and that's a prophetic word over you and over you and over your life it's not even going to be a part of your story when people look at your life they won't even be able to see it because of the way you overcame yeah. it number three second corinthians chapter 12 verse 9 to 10. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of christ can work through me That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. First I said, you gotta admit your weakness. Then I said, you gotta accept your weakness. I'm gonna be honest, I have not graduated to this one yet. <laughs> I'm gonna keep it real with you, church. I got the first two, good. The, to get even to the second one, except I had to go to therapy. So I got the second one down with like a counselor. But this third one, I'm not there yet, and I don't know when I'm gonna get there. He said, I'm glad to boast about my weakness. He said, I take pleasure in it. Here's the third one. You gotta learn to applaud your weakness. I'm not there. <laughs> I'm not there. I'm just not there right now. I'm like, ooh, lust, yay. Thank you for being in my life. Really grateful for all of the temptation and really grateful for all of the hardships. Appreciate you, lust. Appreciate you. I'm not there yet, and I don't know if you're there let me ask you a question. What is your emotional response to weakness? I think people do three things, typically. There's a fourth, and we know it's to applaud. It's to give, I don't know how he does it. I'm not there yet, but be grateful for it. We usually either complain about it, use it to be bitter towards God. You're the one that gave me this weakness. It's your fault. You could fix this in a second. Or we tie ourselves to it and use it as bait to fish for other people's sympathy. Here's my life, you know. Come talk to me. Come hang out with me. Woe is me. I know I went through a lot growing up, and we'll try and pull them in. Each of those are unhealthy. But there's a fourth response to be grateful for it. Well, I don't know how, but something happened this week with my kids. Last story about my kids <laughs> that made me think I could see it. My son Justice got into the worst bicycle crash that he's ever been in in his life he was trying to turn and uh, he ran over some leaves that my neighbor had and when he turned his hand slipped 
and the handlebar went up and the handlebar hit him in the hit him in the throat and then when it hit him in the throat the rubber on the handlebar caused a, a burn on his throat so he comes in it's like his, his skin on his neck is like down like a layer of skin like it's all red Liz gets nauseous and she's like she's like I can't JJ go to that you know so I come in and I'm lucky enough I was really clumsy when I was young so I've seen a lot of that and so I take him up and and we start to wipe him down and clean him and our kids are old enough now where they take their own baths but because he was you know sensitive and he was in a lot of tears I'm like dad's got you I'm gonna give you a bath I'm gonna take care of you and so I start washing his body and cleaning him up and spraying the peroxide and tapping it and Zane comes in and Zane's like the big helper you know he's getting everything I need Need. and he looks at me he goes because he had to go take a you know bath by himself and so he goes you know dad he goes there is one thing about getting hurt there's one good thing he goes there is one good thing about getting hurt I'm like I want to hear this I'm like what's the good thing about getting hurt he goes other people do everything for you <laughs> and that was the closest I could get to understanding that that when you can't do it yourself, it becomes an opportunity for other people to do it for you. And so maybe there's a good thing in being, so Zane said, I, wouldn't, I don't enjoy falling off my bike, but when I do fall off my bike, I'm glad not because it happened, but because I know what's coming after. I know that the Father's gonna come. What did the Holy Spirit call himself? What did Jesus call the Holy Spirit? The Comforter? I know that the Comforter is gonna come. And I know that when I get hurt and when I get injured and when I feel weak and when I'm at the bottom of the barrel, I know that that's when, that's why I'm grateful because he's here. He's gonna rest on me. He's gonna rest on me. And so I know it's a challenge. I'm not asking you to do something that I, a matter of fact, I can't ask you to do it because I don't know how to do it yet. But the Bible says that that's where we need to get with our weakness to a point where we look at it and we just go, you know what, God? Thank you for it. I don't like that it hurts me. I don't like that it's killing me. I hate that I'm struggling. I hate that I fell again. I hate that I'm sinning again. But here's what I know about my sin. Here's what I know about my weakness. Here's what I know about my pain. You're gonna come in because of it. You're gonna help because of it. You're gonna do things for me because of it because I can't do it by myself by myself here's my last one number four we said you got to admit your weakness you got to accept your weakness this is tough you got to applaud your weakness here's here's this one this one I'm, I'm working on this one second Corinthians 12 10 for when I am weak then I am strong so in order to be strong you got to be what weak now here's my question are you because a lot of people are trying to be strong and they're trying to be strong so hard they're not being weak and because they're not being weak they can't find true strength here's my last one you gotta allow your weakness allow your weakness I bump into people all the time who are trying to be strong right now you know and I I get it but it's breaking my heart. They're trying to be strong for the people in their family and be strong for their friends and be strong for all these things. And, and I can see God looking at them off to the side. You know, if I could touch you guys, I would use one of using these illustrations, but I can't. So I'm just gonna do a two-person, one-man <laughs> illustration. So I'm you, okay? And I'm you. And I'm here and I'm like, oh, COVID-19, I got this. You're not gonna bring me to my knees. And then it's like, oh, another month of shutdowns. I got this. I got this. You're not going to bring me to my knees. 
And it was like, oh, my job's starting to lay people off. Um, I got this. I got this. You're not going to bring me to my knees. And we're strong. And we're strong. And God's on the other side of that going, okay, that's not going to bring you to your knees. That's not going to bring you to your knees. That's not going to bring you to. Well, bro, what is? Because that's where I'm trying to get you. Tell me then what is going to get you to your knees because that's why I allowed all this to get you from this to this because this is where my strength is made perfect. This is where my power comes through. Not in a posture of strength but in a posture of weakness. When you get down to your knees and you go, God, I can't do this without you. I'm broken. I'm empty. All the weight around me, all of the pressure within me, the temptation, the weakness, the hurt, the lust, the comparison, the anxiety, the insecurity. It's beating at my brain. It's beating at my heart. When you get to this position, God goes, oh, yeah. That's what I was waiting for. That's what I needed to do. And I just want to encourage you right now, if you're watching me on this screen, will you get here to this place? Maybe you need to physically get here right now on the other side of the screen. Well, I don't want to kneel. You know, that's weird. We're living in weird times. Maybe you just do that, but even if you feel uncomfortable, in your mind and in your heart, will you just get to this place right now? Stop trying to carry the weight of the world. Stop trying to lift up other people's lives and other people's burdens and carry other people's problems. Just be broken. Just surrender. Just let it go. Just be weak. Because when you're weak, when you get into this place, that's when God says, now I can really work. Right now where you are, go just bow your heads, close your eyes right now. Come on, I just feel the presence of God right now ministering on that side of the screen right now. Come on, he's telling you, let it go. Stop trying to carry it. Be weak. Let, let it, stop trying to carry all this. Let it down. Let it go. I've got you. Let me carry you. Come on, you either admit or forfeit. But if you admit your weakness, you won't forfeit my strength. Let me be strong for you, God says. Let me be strong for you. Come on, I'm speaking to the parent right now that's trying to be everything for your family. You can't. Come on, I'm speaking to the, to the mompreneur right now who's trying to do everything and run a business and keep the house going. You can't. Will you, just, will you just collapse right now in the arms of Jesus? Come on, I'm speaking to the husband who doesn't have the money but is feeling the pressure to provide for his family even though he has no idea how he's going to make ends meet. Will you stop acting hard for just one second and just collapse right now on your knees in God's presence and say, Lord, I need you now. I need you to rescue me now. I got to have you now. I got nothing. I got nothing. I got nothing. I got nothing. I'm talking to the person who's walking through a divorce right now and you're trying to be strong for your son or your daughter. Well, it's okay. Just be broken. You can minister to your son or daughter more in your weakness than you can in your strength. Just be weak right now. Just be weak right now. Just be weak right now. Talking to the kids who are trying to be strong for their parents that are older and susceptible to this disease. It's going to be okay, mom. It's going to be okay, dad. No, just let them know, you know, and I'm scared too. But let's come together. Let's pray. Let's hold this. I'm talking to every pastor and minister who's wondering if church is even going to be a thing after this whole pandemic is over. It's okay to be nervous. It's okay to be scared. Be weak. Stop trying to stand up. Let the pressure do what the pressure was designed to do, which was bring you to your knees. Right now, Father God, we receive your strength right now. Come on, I know this is like, I wish I could lay hands on you, but I believe the Holy Spirit can touch you right now. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would right now breathe strength right now. Lay your hands right now, strength right now through that screen. Strength right now. Come on. Supernatural glory. Holy Spirit right now, power right now. Come through. Come through like only you can. 
We receive your strength. Would, that, would you let that be the prayer of your life right now? We receive your strength. Come on, say it with me. We receive your strength. We receive your strength. We receive your strength. We, I lay down my strength and I receive your strength. I receive your strength. While we're in this position, there's some people, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. You've been trying to do life on your own. Here is the moment. Here's the opportunity right now. Jesus is waiting. Arms open wide. Can fall into my arms. I want to get rid of your past. I want to start a brand new life with you. If that's you, you're watching this sermon, you go, Jesus, I need you. I need you, man. I'm not a Christian. I, I wouldn't consider myself one, but I want to have a relationship with you today. It's right here. This is where it happens. Necessarily physically, but in my heart and in my mind, I lay it all down, God. I give it to you. If that's you and I count to three, I want you to raise your right hand. Jesus, I need you. One, two, three, right now, all over this room. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. With your hand lifted high, come on, repeat this prayer after me. Repeat this prayer after me if you're in the room. Jesus, I need you. I fall into your arms. Amen. 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 We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.